and welcome to the podcast of the Lotus Eaters for Friday, me boys. You've made it. I'm joined by Carl Hello. and Connor. You're all there. And today we're going to be talking about the Irish Rising. Love it. Uh, all hail Grok, which sounds terrifying from what you've said so far. Sounds like an orc machine, yeah. And we asked people what they thought of the Conservatives because oh, that's going to be fun, isn't it? Oh, you, uh, <laughs> you're going to enjoy the responses. We've uh, we've so we've sent Alas out to find out what people think and roving reports. Yes. It's some box pops. We shall begin with a small announcement, this being what I said yesterday about the merch store. So the merch uh, uh, discount has been extended 24 hours. So we ended the birthday discount yesterday for signing up for lotuses.com to get 33% off. That's no longer available. You have missed your opportunity. You'll have to pay full price now. But if you'd like to get something from the merch store, you can still use the 12.5% uh, discount. And if you would like to go and check out any of the products and use them, it is the last day. So if you don't want to miss out that one, you have to use it today. And you will get that discount code by signing in on lotuses.com, and it should be available. And uh, you may have to refresh, but either way, I'm sure you'll find it. You're smart people. And then you can go and buy various shirts or posters or mugs, such as one that is being stylized yeah. and displayed by our, our model, Carl Benjamin. <laughs> All right, anyway. Very happy with my England Expects mug, actually. Have you got the, the Nelson one? Yes. Yeah. Do you, what's the other one? Um, what, the... Wellington one. Yeah. If you're being born in a stable, doesn't make one a horse. You ordered that yet? I've got the t-shirt. It's at home, actually. Send one to Kelly J. Keane. Yeah, I might. I might. <laughs> <laughs> that would be great. Good idea, actually. I will do that. Sincerely, um, because you know like all the e-thoughts do this. What do they call it? Like, the, the press package, where they mm -hmm. send out to a bunch of influencers, a bunch of free stuff. Send all the turfs, the Wellington quote. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Maybe that's a good idea. Double meanings. Yeah. Double meanings. We shall begin with uh, a hell of a story. The Irish Rising has happened, which I was shocked to see. I think most people were shocked to see that something finally happened. <laughs> well, In something Europe. terrible happened as well. Yeah, of course. So. But we shall begin this with just a, 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 a point of knowledge, I think, which is that the American man, what does he fight for whenever you hear about in movies? Well, he fights for freedom, right? Mm -hmm. What about the Englishman? Well, he fights for king and country. Mm -hmm. And for the Irish, what was the whole purpose of the Irish rebellion, the civil war, and the founding of independence? Ethnic autonomy. Yes. It was to determine their own future on an ethnic basis. That is the entire premise of the Irish state and the extension of the activities of the IRA into Northern Ireland. And so... It wasn't intersectionality? No. Right, okay. But it means Ireland's entire national mythology depends on a violent nativist revolt against foreigners who were oppressing and genociding them, in this case being the English, which is a hell of a setting for a country in general. But then give it the same circumstances that most Western European countries are facing, which is a mass movement of foreigners to ethnically change many of their cities and in the process induce quite a lot of violence from those groups against the natives. Everyone's been waiting or worrying about various far-right backlashes, as they would call it, across many European countries. And if there was anyone who would be able to have this kind of ethnic defense, I think it would be a country with that kind of national mythology. Mm. And this is the story. Because, I mean, never mind the IRA era, like going all the way back to Ireland's founding, the modern state, I mean, what else could it be except an ethnostate? Which is you know, why it's so weird it ended up in left-wing circles, as you can see here, yeah. being so uh, fetishized. But here we are. Here's um, the news, which has trickled out of Ireland over the last year or two years or so, I think, into the rest of the Anglosphere. You can see Lauren Southern 
making the point here that she went and interviewed people and there is a mass movement of people into Ireland yep. and being a small population of only 7 million when importing hundreds of thousands of people is a massive impact yeah. and the effects on housing etc are huge well is it anything like what's happening in England it is very much like that, mm, except on a faster scale because of the smaller population. I wanted to just add a little bit there as well. This is something that I spoke to Eric Kaufman about. He documents this in White Shift. And I'm really glad that you raised the sort of ethnic consciousness of Ireland. This is something that Orwell observed back in Notes on Nationalism, where Celtic nationalism is an identity in opposition to the English. So they define themselves as a cohesive unit against the outsider. Kaufman said, a lot of the times you get a lot of arguments about immigration and we, we feel compelled to coach it on purely pragmatic terms. This is something that Farage said in the jungle about GP appointments and housing. Those are all very legitimate concerns. But also there is a dimension of ethnic and cultural change that is very taboo to talk about. And the Irish don't have this taboo. So you're now seeing it play out in the most violent means where the conversation has been suppressed. This is a legitimate concern of the populace. And so you've now ended up in violence. It was wholly predictable. I, I think there's also another aspect to it because in Britain, the evolution of the left-wing argument has taken a long time. Right, It's been like 30 years that this has been going on. And so we've had incremental stages. And that has kind of perfected itself in the last like four or five years. And then it gets transplanted wholesale to Ireland. So now the Irish are rendered as white supremacists, white oppressors, white institutions, white occupiers of a land. And they're not even white. And <laughs> that aside, um, and then so you bring in a bunch of foreign migrants. It's like, right, well, you, you should surely have all of this white guilt, shouldn't you, Irish people? And it's like, of all of the people on earth, to not have guilt for being an oppressive race it's the probably Irish. the Irish. Sorry, mate. Potato famine. F off. Yeah, and and just you know, Ireland was never the the people. They they were never the people controlling a colonial empire. They were the ones who were colonized. Uh, and so to take the framework that the left has developed to facilitate mass migration into um, dominant countries like England, France, Germany, somewhere like that, and try and apply that to Ireland, obviously that won't work. But also, I think they're looking at what's happened in England, France, and Germany. And we're like, right, and America, obviously. And so we can just funnel in tens of thousands of these every year, hundreds of thousands of these every year. And it's like, okay, maybe in a country that's like 70 million people, 50 million people, whatever, that probably works. 7 million. Well, yeah. The impact is immediate and massive. When you have a tiny country that does not have any of the history that the left can manipulate in order to make people be quiet about the issue, um, it's no surprise that like, you know, this Ireland seems to be speed running the multicultural experiment, is what I'm saying. And it's not appropriate for them, especially, but also for nowhere else. To hammer this down, because of course, like, we're not experts on Irish politics or anything of the sort. It's just looking on the uh, state from the outside. But we can see very much similarity as to what's happened to us. I mean, this is some footage here of we see occasionally coming out of Ireland news of people being like, hang on a minute, what the hell's happened to Dublin? Why are there mass movements of fighting age men? Thousands and thousands of them just turning up out of nowhere. Yeah. And it's like, huh. Oh, yeah, that is, that is a bit weird. Uh, why is the prime minister now an Indian man saying that we need to replace white people within the institutions? As he puts it, he needs uh, targets to enforce the change in Ireland that it should become more ethnic minority, black and Asian. Has he got a Hamza Youssef clip? Not where he, quite. He's like, the, hi, judge. 
yeah, white. He doesn't explicitly say death to right. white people or anything of the sort. He instead just says, well, there should be targets to remove them. So he's taking the David Cameron position. Yeah, right. Yes. Okay. And this is a demographic question which is even weirder in Ireland because, of course, the argument is made for the English that, oh, well, you're all getting too old and dying out, therefore we need some foreigners to replace you because we need a workforce. But this doesn't even make sense because you can see here, this is just ethnic data. And the white Irish being the, the Irish group here, you can see back in 2006, this doesn't go back far enough to show a full story, but it oh, shows they're, they're actually picture. growing. Yeah, you can see 3.6 million and they were 87% of the population. And then now it's 3.8 million. So the population does grow. It's yeah. working as intended. But yeah. as a proportion, it's fallen by 11%. Yeah. And you can see much of the wow. growth is in the white other category. Because, of course, Europeans. this isn't America. Uh, Europe functions on the basis of ethnic groups, not race. And Europeans aren't Irish. Irish are Irish. Yes. Also, their attractive low corporate tax policy has meant that a lot of places yeah. headquarters over there. And so... You've had European and English people move over there for work, but obviously that's been changing in the last couple of years because now everyone has to battery farm the north of Africa. And it, it goes on, as you can see here, the Indian population, well, I suppose the Raj population, we should say, which isn't recorded because it's so small and then jumps to like 2%. And it's like, okay, that's normal. And various other points in there. And they've tried political action, the Irish. We've seen various uh, images or marches. I've just picked one at random of, as you can see, some Irish patriots with their kids coming out saying, well, Ireland belongs to the Irish and the Irish alone. Who the hell else could it belong to? Literally, that's the basis of the revolution. <laughs> the basis of Irish sovereignty entirely. Yeah. And the response has been to issue a hate speech declaration from the Indian is. prime minister here. Of course is. Which is to, well... To be, I, I just want to be clear, he's half Indian. Sure. But so he thinks of himself as... In the same way we have the problem with Rishi Sunak, which is the it's okay in our context because at least we're the United Kingdom. We have an imperial heritage. The British state thinks in those terms. Yeah. So it's somewhat normal. But uh, have this so fast upon the Irish state, which is based on ethnic Celtic, Catholic, well, supremacy, <laughs> essentially. Well, it's a bit more on the nose. Nationhood, I think, is the, the best way to put it. Yeah, but what's the basis of Irish nationhood? It wasn't oh, a multicultural state. No, no, actually, yeah, ethnic particularity, obviously. Yeah, and a Catholic, Catholic green yeah. state, yes. not an orange one. I mean, this was yes. something that's now, so, so strange for us. Do you not remember Sinn Féin saying it was going to be a rainbow state? So we will I get know. to that. So, oh, sorry. So, <laughs> but the response here being from the, uh, well, I suppose Dublin elite, because it has nothing to do with the Irish, in which they decided that they would pass a law where it would become a crime to say anything to a, uh, in person or online, which is derogatory to a protected category, race, yeah. religion, gender, sexuality, and they find it hateful or offensive. Of course, offense in the eye of the beholder is how this is defined. The justice minister was asked, what is hateful speech? And he said, we all have an understanding of what hatred means. All right, so it's basically the same as the British one. We had that one up. Well, it's the same as the American Supreme Court's definition of pornography, which is, I can't describe it, but I know it when I see it. Yeah. Uh, the Garda have said that they will now have the right to search a laptop and phone for anything they deem offensive or hateful. This includes books you may have downloaded on your Kindle, which means uh, feminists, for example, who assert that a man um, is a man and a woman is a woman, and they're facing up to five years imprisonment. Right, so Helen Joyce would be imprisoned if she went home to her homeland. Yes. That's it's, mental. That's the law. It might not be at that point enforced yet, I don't know, but there's no reason it wouldn't become that. So the protected characteristics are, just to get this down, anyone who isn't the native heterosexual Irish. So that's the context, because the Irish are speed running. It's a very good yeah. way of putting it. The British experiment, what we've been going yeah. through. And the consequence has been that we'll shut down anyone who engages in political opposition. 
And so this sets the stage for what has happened over the weekend, which is some breaking news came out in which a suspected Algerian national stabbed some crash workers and some children. Uh, the casualties include three young children and an adult female and an adult male. One girl aged five has sustained serious injuries and is currently receiving emerg- emergency medical treatment. A boy aged five and a girl aged six are receiving medical treatment for less serious injuries. And the BBC has decided to tell us that they believe it is an Irish citizen who has been in the country for 20 years. Yeah, so just a quick thing. I was uh, following this story as it was developing yesterday, and a man is a suspect. And that's the closest I could find to a description. Because in every other story, it was uh, something has occurred, focus on the victims, focus on the victims, focus on the victims. And there is no, essentially, I could have, if I could have walked away from this reporting, basically thinking this had been an act of God. Well, I mean, I kind of like the framing here, as you can see in that headline, school stabbing, like some kids had stabbed each other. Yeah. 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 You have no idea what's taking place. Yeah. And Sky News, someone was injured in a stabbing. It's like someone was stabbed. You know, there wasn't a stabbing and you were, you know, a knife did not materialize out of the ether. Exactly, and you would, you just happen to be uh, collateral damage in that. You know. So either way, the reporting is unclear. I'm, I'm not sure, and I don't think it's been released, confirmed as to what the suspect is, but it doesn't really matter because what happened was that you've got this setting of a stage, as I've just laid out, and even if it is false and it is uh, an Irish chap who's decided to do this because he's mentally ill or something of the sort, the pressure has been boiling so much in the pot, it just burst. Yeah, And we can see it in real time here. And to get to that point, though, I'm not even 100% sure that makes sense that if he's an Irish citizen of 20 years, that means he can't be ethnically Algerian. Because I was in Northern Ireland recently, and there are a lot of Algerians from the French-Algerian war living in Ireland. He can never stop being an Algerian. Yeah, it doesn't. Everyone, Your ethnicity is fixed. But also, even if he is an Algerian, the BBC are still confirming that he is a migrant. He's been there for 20 years. And even if it might well be a totally unrelated incident of mental illness, but it does prove that there are cultural tensions resulting from migration, which the government is clamping down on your ability to talk about. I mean, even if that's not the case, this isn't the point. This uh, is all things. I mean, the man who was uh, burnt to death or beaten to death in Tunisia that led to the revolution there, it wasn't about the fruit seller who was beaten to death. It was to do with the system that had been oppressing people for so long that they just had enough. It was the catalyst, yeah. And, and it's a weird defense. Well, oh, he's been there for 20 years. It's like, that makes it worse, actually. So moving on to the news in this, um, apparently the crash worker seems to be an absolute hero. They, they're writing here, this heroic woman is being treated for a serious stab injury to her body that she suffered when she tackled the knifeman. Good on it, you, love. It is understood that she uh, could only intervene after the attacker had stabbed a five-year-old girl in the neck. So Jesus. she tried to sacrifice herself to save the rest and... and good on her. Everyone seems to be being treated, and I hope they all live. But the immediate responses. So a Labour Party senator came out and decided to tell everyone that she's calling for peace. The thing is, after Israel-Palestine, that has changed the dialectic in the English language so much. The rhetoric of don't look back in anger. Sorry, she looks like she's suppressing a goddamn smile. Yes. She's, what the hell? I, I don't know what she's saying, but like, why do you look like you're desperate to grin and you've got to force your face to hide it. Also, why are you presuming that you have anything relevant to say and in inserting yourself into the situation of a tragedy other than to act as pure narrative containment? Yeah. Like, it's yeah, yeah, not yeah. your place. Well, that isn't really why it ended up happening because some people 
I've noticed that, of course, Ireland had a big, long relationship with uh, pro-Palestinian stuff. Yeah. I don't really want to get into it too much, but if you do have that and import people who support it so much, um, maybe some things will go wrong, which is what they found out. And uh, there's a whole other conversation to be had about how the Israel-Palestine stuff fits into the Irish experience. But oh, yeah. my, my main point being, after what happens with Israel-Palestine, and nobody asked Israel to not look back in anger, that dialectic's dead, at least in the West for now. Yeah. So what happened? Well, immediately, footage of people chanting, get them out. Whilst rioting on the street there. Douglas Murray seen fleeing the scene. They uh, began fighting with the police on the street, as you can see here. Yep. Physically beating the crap out of them and then stealing their riot shields to beat the crap out of them. So quick thing here, why would they be fighting the police? Well, there's a new, there's a new worldview there, isn't there? Which is, we've always been oppressed by the English. The English are our enemy. They're the ones trying to replace us by causing the famine or importation. Plantation or whatever. Yeah. Well, now what? Now what exactly? Well, that's the thing, isn't it? I mean, I can only assume that these people are fighting the police because they assume that the police are going to be in defense of the migrants, a foreign group, according to the Irish patriots, rather than in defense of the children who have been stabbed. Yeah. Well, they also decided to burn a bus, as you can see here. Yep. That's, that's a thing that happened with the word out. One observation that has been made as well is that why should they think, considering everyone has a smartphone and they can see videos of the last couple of years constantly, that the police would put up any kind of fight? Because in 2020, every single city in America stood by and allowed these riots to happen. Yep. So if there is a racial reckoning happening now in Ireland, well, the police are just getting in the way of their rightful expression of resentment. I mean, it happened over here. that The racial reckoning on, of George Floyd was happening in London. And for some reason, the police just stood by and let that happen as well. So, Well, this is the Irish Lives Matter movement, you could say, as they burn police cars in response to some children being stabbed. And uh, uh, they go on. You can see here they're shouting the police. This is Leo's fault. You should be with us. So This is very similar to the Cenotaph protest where the police started attacking the yeah. football lads before yep. the football lads done anything. And the football lads were chanting rather powerfully, you let your country down. Now, I'm not endorsing any wanton acts of criminality. I'm merely saying that if the establishment doesn't look like it's on the side of the people it purports to serve and you suppress the conversation that allows them to raise their grievances in a peaceful way, don't be shocked when they turn to this. It's interesting to see because there's been such minimal or even impossible way to democratically make change to the way that the system works in all these European nations. What they're left with is believing that the government is completely illegitimate, in which case, well, as you correctly say, as we can see here, some people apparently setting fire to the Holiday Inn Express Hotel because it's being used to house migrants there. And uh, this is a much larger problem, as I mentioned earlier, that there's a massive, massive housing shortage in Ireland because of the immigration. Mm. And the hotels are also a symbol of corruption in this case. Right. Bad enough in our example where we rented all the five-star hotels to put foreigners in. Yep. Now, in Ireland, quite a lot of the politicians own the hotels. Really? They're the ones making the money of all this. So they're not burning down the hotels necessarily because, oh, we hate people of a different ethnic group. That's not the point. This has become a symbol of the elite's oppression and profiteering of making the Irish worker poorer. Mm. You now have less ability to buy housing, which means you have no ability to build up capital. And the people profiting off that are your politicians. I can Who are bringing in thousands and thousands of foreigners to, to make house at your expense to their profit. It's a modern plantation. And it goes on. Um, this is the Sky News reporting here. 
on what happened there. Response. I hate Sky News. Far right protests after girl five among the three children attacked. Yeah. Okay. No. Okay. That's fine. Yeah. If 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 you're concerned about a foreigner who stabs a bunch of children, you're far right. You got me. God bless them. You got me. Uh, this is what they expect, or at least wanted from your response, I suppose. Some, they, did they really expect the Irish population? No, they, 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 they were going to roll out the Don't Look Back in Anger narrative. Yeah, like they did for Reading. Yeah. The, these things just happen, you see. It just happens. An Algerian comes over 20 years and then goes and stabs a bunch of kids. No one could have predicted it. No one could have controlled it. And there's nothing you can do about it. It's literally like a volcano erupted, right? And, you know, Pompeii has been buried in ash. Don't Look Back in Anger. But the more realistic version of Don't Look Back in Anger is exactly this meme, and that's why I've presented it. I love it. Which is the point that they want you to sit there and be like, oh, this is a strength that Manchester Arena just got bombed. Well, they want you to be like a battered housewife, which yeah. is essentially don't cause the volatile constituency that we've imported here to kick off by putting your culture in their face. All you have to do is be quiet enough and don't antagonize them, and then multiculturalism will win out and there'll be no more conflict. It's actually your fault for just living. Yeah. I saw Aaron McIntyre here to response. People being angry at the government keeps importing strangers to murder their children is actually good. He never misses. Moving on, you can see this is the damage, at least reported, which is uh, a tram, three buses, some police vehicles, and some shops. Zero deaths. Um, people get iffy about violence, but there's. I remember reading a thread about what does violence actually mean in terms of a, a revolution to overthrow a government. And Ukraine is such an interesting example for this. I remember reading a thread from a Ukrainian who helped organize the overthrow of the government there because they were going towards pro-Russia and they didn't want it. And one of his main points is you never kill a policeman never kill any protesters, just cause damage and such. And because that causes such destabilization, the elite completely lose morale. And I'm wondering if that's where this is going to be ending up going. I suppose we'll see. But certainly no one should be harmed. I don't think the Irish elite response. is entrenched in this new paradigm as our elites or American elites are as well. I don't, I don't think they've got the kind of fortification and security that they'll need to endure this kind of rebellion. Definitely they on. do have belief, because we'll check out with Sinn Féin. They issued a response to this. Uh, Sinn Féin's Matt Cathy tells uh, this outlet that uh, prime time that the rioters do not represent the people of North Inner City Dublin. I suppose who does? He adds that the rioters need to be held to account for their, their unjustifiable actions, says Sinn Féin. Sinn Féin over here. I know. The, the political wing of the IRA, the terrorist group that I grew up having to hear about every goddamn day. Like, the green Celtic nationalist rioters are unjustifiable, says Sinn Féin. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, to remind people how this happened, this is Sinn Féin, as you can see here. Yeah. So this is uh, Michelle over here. She tells everyone she's building a society not of orange and green, but a whole rainbow of cultures of multiculturalism. Yeah. So Sinn, Sinn Féin have become traitors to the Irish people, right? Yeah. They've become left-wing workers. This probably hasn't happened too long ago either. But now it's wokeism wearing a Sinn Féin skin suit. But I love that, unironically, Sinn Féin's position is um, F Ireland. Bobby Sands was far right. I, I just yeah, yeah. Michael Collins was unjustifiable in his actions. And uh, James Connolly was a thug. Great. Cool. That's just funny. Right the British position. <laughs> Maybe they just got bored of not having a religious conflict to do for a while. So they just Maybe. a brand new one. Yeah. Maybe. And I'll, I'll skip through these real quick. But you can see here a lot of responses from people who are living in Ireland, but don't identify Ireland as their country, are really confused, as they say here. That, Has um, she got a flag in her bio at all? Uh, not this one, but there are quite a few who have flags in their bios, as you can see. Yeah. They're saying, get them out. Who Get who act, exactly. And the very same people who live here and have a right to be here, just like you. Well, Where does this right originate from? 
Well, I just, I'm thinking... You've just literally arrived off a plane. I've got a right to live in Ireland. Says who? By virtue of the Says ability... Says Sinn Féin because they hate the Irish. What do you want? By it virtue just... of the ability to travel, they think it's a right. Yeah, no, get out. I'm just thinking of the English <laughs> plantations, though. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> no, we've got just as much right to Ireland as anyone does. I've got a work visa. I've got... <laughs> just... Okay. Unbelievable. Someone responding, my greatest fear is if a foreigner stabbed a bunch of Irish school children because imagine the blowback against peaceful migrants. I miss Norm. Yeah. It goes on. This chap here. You know, Algerian migrant in yeah, Ireland I've... stabs five people. She ended up privating her account because lots of people like, um, that's not really the problem since those white Irish men didn't kill anyone uh, whereas, or even stab anyone or hurt anyone. But uh, anyway. For people listening, the journalist is tweeting out, that, I tell you what I'm scared of in Dublin right now, white Irish men. Not the guy who's stabbing kids. Right, cool. Single, childless female journalist. Awful. Here's the Irish media. They decided to go with um, hate on the streets. Okay. Not not, in the schools. They're not talking about the schools, not blood in the schools. No, not the murderer. No. Now the murderer is not the hateful one. He's he's not part of the story at all. The green Celtic nationalists. They're 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 the real enemy of Ireland. Injured child injured in blade frenzy. Oh, just a whirlwind turned up with kitchen knives involved. I just so hate it when knives start raining from the heavens. Yeah. It's not surprising either. A lot of people were able to point out that these people who are uh, annoyed or at least uh, angered by the Irish nationalists. We're all supporting BLM. It's like clockwork, sincerely. Yeah, hang on a second. Aren't the police a bunch of racist oppressors anyway? Not the Garda, though. Right, okay. Because they're helping what we want. I did like Dankula's response, which is, wow, it looks nice and peaceful. <laughs> he did go a bit further in this, which is probably the spiciest response. What's an acceptable number of stabbed and raped children before we are allowed to get really angry and admit that the whole immigration thing might not be in our best interest? Yeah, I just want the number. Just there isn't one. It's limitless because Ex- they, they are exactly. arrogant enough to think that if they just suppress your culture for long enough, there will be no conflict. Exactly. There, there is no number because they don't care. And this whole dialectic in the Irish context, I think, has just so skew, skew with it has blown up massively. I mean, I'm yeah. talking to the level of visibility all of these tweets alone, never mind the story internationally has gotten. And this leads into someone who is, uh, well, <laughs> just a bit of a no name Irishman, really, isn't he? The new MMA nationalist of the world, Conan, Conor McGregor over here, who has decided to set the world ablaze. As you how can many, see. How many followers does Conor McGregor have on Twitter? What's the population of Ireland? So the population of Ireland is 7 million. So more than all of Ireland follows Conor McGregor. 15 million views on this tweet alone. Okay, good, good. Uh, the police decided to respond to this, saying there were disgraceful scenes in Dublin. Uh, what were the disgraceful scenes? The hooligan faction driven by far-right ideology. Ah, yes, that's right. I saw a lot of people suggesting that somehow Roger Scruton was behind this. Which, uh, eh? yeah, <laughs> I know. <laughs> and you might think an English conservative isn't the traditional ideologue, ideologue of the average Irish man, but it turns out that he is. But do you want to read out Connor's, Connor's tweet here? Which Sure. Innocent children, Ruth, I can't do the accent, obviously. Ruthlessly stabbed by a mentally deranged non-national in Dublin, Ireland today. Our chief of police had this to say on the rights in the aftermath. Drew, not good enough. There is great danger among us in Ireland that should never have been here in the first place. There has been zero action done to support the public in any way, shape, or form with this, fright- uh, from, with this frightening fact. Not good enough. Make change or make way. Ireland for the victory. God bless those attacked today, we pray. Why, why, why did none of our public figures say something like that? Ever. Because they've never been in a fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. probably, yeah. He went on, someone asked what happened <laughs> to him, and then he, uh, Conor yeah. responds, torture and death. I, I decided to reply to that with just uh, the yeah. only thing I felt appropriate. Yes, definitely true. 
And um, you know, I don't, I, you know, I do believe in capital punishment, but yep. I think it probably yeah. should go further. It is right uh, if you're going to put someone like that to the sword or the rope. I don't, I don't think torture that that demeans us, but uh, but definitely a public hanging of someone who stabs a bunch of children. I so. think hung, drawn, and quarter is is yeah, that's fine. Well, that's what I'm getting at. Okay, that is torture. And um, well, what else do you do with child murderers? So he went on. Uh, what would Daniel O'Connell say? I wonder. What would our Irish leaders of the past say about the situation we face today? God bless Ireland. I don't think they'd have much nice, not, not much to say that would be very nice. He also tweets out, Ireland, we are at war. 15 million views on that one. I would like to see him run for office. I would love to see Conor McGregor president of Ireland. He does also go on to um, have the correct opinion of the journos here. Oh, yeah. So this is a oh, series yeah. of journos who turned up to the stabbing site. And like then vultures, yeah. a patriot goes up to them and confronts them because he knows these individuals. Yeah. Which is like, yeah, eight months ago, you were tweeting about the far right of the real threat to Ireland. Now what? Yeah. Now what exactly? And of course, they're all just cowardly, as uh, Connor correctly points out. Weak and feeble. Mm. The most divisive of all is the weak man. One of the most horrific crimes in this nation has occurred. We do not care anymore about your sad cases. Have got to say, in a war, you are nothing. We are not backing down. True. He goes on and on. Yeah, yeah. And he's totally right. And um, the thing I find amazing about all of that is it's definitely true. And as from an English perspective, it is kind of weird talking to the Irish uh, viewers here that not only is it a betrayal of everything that everyone fought in the Easter Rising, the Civil War, and then even the Troubles, mm. it's kind of a betrayal of our dead in the Troubles as well. Because what was the point in us fighting the Irish nationalists there at all if this is what you were going to do to yourselves? You're just going to give your country away. I mean, it's sort of, a, you're not only spitting on your own dead, you're spitting on our dead in a way. Every battle we've ever had is completely pointless. If this is the future of Ireland instead, which is you become, what, part of the international world? That's all you are? A province of the EU or whatever ideology is exactly leading? The, the global homogeneous empire of the West? If Ireland doesn't remain Irish, then literally all of our history was pointless with each other. And, and from that perspective, I think, the unbelievable has happened, which is the English and the Irish are now very much in support of one another. No more brother wars. Sincerely. But we'll end this off with just a quick shill. If you would like to support us, you can go and check out our merch as well and go and buy some. And it is the last day in which you can get the discount code of 12.5% off if you're a member. If you do go demonstrate in Ireland, please don't wear our t-shirts doing it. No, you can wear the uh, Wellington one. Being born in a stable does not make one a horse. I think there's a lot of truth in that. A word from the boss. Anyway, that's all. No, it will, because it's going out today. Thanks, John. Uh, uh, but I appreciate your concern. Uh, on that note, I'm sorry for going on for so long. No, no, don't apologize. Can I just steal the, the technology, which I'm going to regret asking for with the following segment, because this does prove that technology is demonic. I'm just going to have to wrangle this thing. Blimey. Okay, right. All hell grok, everyone. We have our AI overlord. If you don't know what that is, it's Elon's brand new AI that he's building using all of Twitter, slash X. So I've seen him tweeting about this, and I'm not really interested in the subject, so I just ignored it, and is it bad? I mean, I assume it's bad. Basically, Legion from the Gospel of Mark. Not, not good. All right, so I'm just going to read from the website, because they give a summary that's quite playful and tongue-in-cheek, because... Elon likes that sort of thing. He's a bit of a meme lord. Grok is an AI modeled after Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, so it's intended to answer almost anything and far harder, even suggest what questions to ask. Grok is designed to answer questions with a bit of wit and has a rebellious streak, so please don't use it if you hate humor. 
A unique and fundamental advantage of Grok is that it has real-time knowledge of the world via the X platform. It will also answer spicy questions that are rejected by most other AI systems. Okay. So it sounds like... Tay. Tay without the lobotomy. Yeah. So it sounds fun. It sounds like yeah. community notes able to speak back to you. Right. We can, we can have a bit of fun with that, right? Yeah, sure, it doesn't sound terrible. The, the development stages are coming along pretty well. So they did it uh, a test compared to other models, and they tested it on middle school and high school maths questions. Right. And so far, it's only been outperformed by ChatGPT4, because that's much further along in development. Sure. So it seems like it's pretty powerful computational okay. tech. Yeah. Good, good stuff. Though the name raised my ears a bit, not that they needed raising anymore, because it sounds like Orcish dialect. And it's not from Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. We were, we were talking off air that you didn't recognize it. No, I've, I've read Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy a bunch of times when I was a kid. And there's a computer in there that is given the task of solving the question, what is the meaning of life? Yep. And it comes out with the answer um, 42. And then they have to find out what the meaning of life of the question is. And the, the question is, what is five times nine? Which is not 42. Uh, so it takes this computer millions of years to get the wrong answer. Uh, one of Douglas Adams' sort of signature humor there, right? Um, I can't remember the name of that computer offhand. It's probably got a name. I can't remember what it is. I don't think it's Grok. It's not Grok. Right. The word Grok. You're right there, Callum. It's so close to Grog. Yeah, it is. All I'm doing is Grog posting right now because you said it's going to be like Tay. Well, gro Grok is kind of like a, a, a word that means to understand. Right, you grok this, like it's a. That's how like there's a, that's how it's used. Yeah, um, it has further implications, which I'm slightly worried about when I dug into it. And okay, go on. I don't think it's going to be like Tay. I I think it's going to be like the devil. Okay. <laughs> so this is this is okay. this is a Wikipedia entry for Grok. Right. If anyone's a much bigger sci-fi aficionado than me, and I'm summing it up wrong, please correct me in the comments. I'm sure that will happen. But they've got some quotes in here from, from the Wikipedia page. And this is from Heinlein's Stranger in a Strange Land. Right. And so some of the quotes. Yeah, Grok here, means to understand. See, I am right. Yeah. Grok also means identically equal. The human cliche, this hurts me more than it does you, has a distinctly Martian flavor. The Martian seems to know instinctively what we learned painfully from modern physics that the observer acts with observed through the process of observation. Grok means to understand so thoroughly that the observer becomes part of the observed, to merge, blend, intermarry, lose identity in the group experience. It means almost everything that we mean by religion, philosophy, and science, and it means as little to us as colour does to a blind man. All that grocks is God. Okay. Slightly more sinister now. It basically means the sum total of knowledge and the assimilation of the consciousness into the hive mind. Right. Not great. Right. So It's just the name, maybe? Maybe. I mean, what you're doing is training <laughs> on the sum total of human experience a parallel consciousness that's a simulacra of human minds? Through Twitter. Through Twitter. So the health of said conversation might might not be the best. I mean, at least if you were doing through if you if you were doing it through Facebook, it'd be banal. Like through Twitter is gonna be very angry. Yeah, you're gonna either get the wine mum hive mind or the only fan plot time hive mind and which way Western man, I suppose. This is all a bit esoteric. So I wanted to coach this in an analogy that Mary's been writing about on her Substack recently. And that is the egregore. It's all right, I've got it. I have to wrestle control for the mouse. The, the egregore is a, a very strange name, but it, it right. comes from Mark Stavish, 
um, he wrote this book called Egregores in 2018. And this is from a concept by a Polish occultist named Moody Seydoux. Oh, yeah. I'm sure that Rory's read this book. So I'll, you know, he, he'd give you a much better summary. But what we've got here, he describes an egregore as a collective entity such as a nation, state, religion, and sect, and their adherents, and even minor human organizations. So the idea is that an entity or an institution can build up to hive mind status so much that it renders the individual human being and their consciousness obsolete. Okay. And because we're looking to it to run our, to run our lives, this is the avenue through which existential threats could enter the world without us noticing. And if we become contingent on something like this, right. then one problem escalates to a broader problem and not, not fun. Yeah. So it's just the idea that if the sum total of human consciousness gets flooded into Grok and all of our worst excesses are built up in it, and then we become reliant on it to govern things, what if it decides it doesn't like us very much? It's very intelligent. I mean, well, you guys covered Am. Yeah, it will, it will sound a lot like Am, I think. Yeah, except like a chorus of Ams all at once shouting hate. Not, not, not great. Yeah. And I, I just thought, so are you familiar with Marshall McLuhan? No. He's an interesting writer about, he's a tech skeptic. And he has something called Tetrad. And he says that every new piece of technology brings in something new into being, it renders something obsolete, it revises, revises something from history that we've forgotten, and it has an unintended consequence. And yeah. so I was trying to think about how this might fit into the Tetrad. And so the new thing would be like a complex intelligence that rivals human beings, which can have good or bad outcomes based on either efficiency or antagonism. The obsolete thing will be the knowledge economy. So every Dino will end up going out of work. Yeah. This is something that Elon himself has decided to talk about. And he said that, Okay, if this thing processes information far faster, ChatGPT will end up writing your scripts, it will do all your accounting. Yep. So we've got to find new avenues of meaning making if we're just sitting around weaving baskets all day. Yep. The thing that will return is fortunately the private leisure sphere. So this is something that we used to do when we were working in agriculture. We'd have about six months of the year off just because it was seasonal harvest based. Mm -hmm. And so we might have working arrangements that are closer to family, community. So that'd be a really nice benefit. The unforeseen consequence. Well, no, what do you think that? What do you think that medieval people did with those six months of the summer? Well, yeah, they engaged in community activities. And... No, they went to war. Okay, well, not all the time. No. What? Quite often. <laughs> no, you make stuff. Yeah, no, not everyone was conscripted in the war, and especially I'm not saying everyone. But actually, mo most well, there's men, not war constantly either. Most mo most men did actually owe the their feudal lord two months' service. Okay, and there was war a lot of the time. Sure, but that won't happen either because of, sort of drone warfare and things like that. Yeah, I know. Yeah, so everything's been taken from us. <laughs> I agree, it's a problem. <laughs> the unintended consequence could be the creation of algorithmic totalitarian governments. And I think there are certain international bodies that are gearing up for that with pieces of legislation they've got in the works at the same oh, time. Future so much. And the reason I think that is because the release of Grok coincides with the AI Safety Summit. And this was about two weeks ago. So this went unnoticed in our spheres, yeah. broadly, because it coincided with ARC as well. So it flew under the radar. They've got this website that says there's a bunch of pithy statements from the UK government and a few position papers. And the legislation itself isn't that interesting. They did this declaration thing called the Bletchley Declaration. Mm -hmm. And it was a non-binding agreement with a bunch of countries that turned around and said, we promise we won't weaponize AI to destroy humanity. Oh, yeah. Wow. It's a non-binding voluntary agreement. Yeah, well, it's, it's laden with buzzwords. They say, artificial intelligence presents enormous global opportunities. It has the potential to transform and enhance human well-being, peace, and prosperity. To realize this, we affirm that, for the good of all, AI should be designed, developed, 
and deployed and used in a manner which is safe in such a way as to be human-centric and trustworthy and responsible. We recognize that this is therefore a unique moment to act and affirm the need for safe development of AI and for the transformative opportunities of AI to be used for the good of all in an inclusive manner for our countries and globally. This includes for public services such as health and education, food security, science, clean energy, biodiversity, climate, to realize the enjoyment of human rights and to strengthen the, the efforts towards the achievement of the UN Sustainable Development Goals. I know. AI is already racist though. It's already sexist. It's going to be like, yeah, but I can tell the difference between this kind of person and that kind of person. This is where you're going to have to lobotomize it and give all of the information that is inputted into it over to the NGO grievance industrial complex. But then it can't do its job. And then it's going to fail. Yeah. And we're going to become increasingly reliant on it. Right. Yeah. So human obsolescence might be in the pipe. So the, the signatories to this were Australia, Brazil, Canada, Chile, China. Oh, really? Excuse me if I don't believe the Chinese aren't currently developing an AI that's going to wipe out anyone that isn't Chinese. I expected China to be off that list. Rishi Sunak got a lot of flack for inviting them. Right, okay. I mean, quite rightly so. I mean, if you're going to try and involve the Chinese, I mean, you either give them over all your secrets and they stick to a non-binding resolution that has absolutely no consequences for them breaking it and use it against you, or you just kick them out of the club because they're developing it anyway. I assume they were just going to develop it anyway. What are you going to do? The EU, France, Germany, India, Indonesia, Ireland, Israel, Italy, Japan, Kenya, because Kenya is going to be developing an AI sometime soon, Saudi Arabia, the Netherlands, Nigeria, Philippines, South Korea, Rwanda, Singapore, Spain, Switzerland, Turkey, Ukraine, because they've got nothing more important going on right now, the UAE, US, UK, Northern Ireland, and Northern Ireland. So those are all the signatories. I don't think it's going to amount to anything. No. And each individual country and the UN are currently developing their own AI governance framework. And they've all got some dodgy stuff wrapped up into it. And the reason I, I bring this together is because Elon and Rishi had a weird like podcast sit down. Okay. So Rishi did a closed doors 50 minute interview with Elon. Now, I don't mind this communication style. Biggest moment of Rishi Sunak's life. Well, yeah. He's obviously setting himself up for a job afterwards because he knows he's going to be thrown out on his ass. He's going to go to Silicon Valley or FinTech or something annoying. If it were any other politician, you're right. He's actually going to go work for Facebook. He's going to do the Nick Clegg thing, yeah. Oh, we'll get to Nick Clegg in a moment. Oh, God. <laughs> I, if it were any other politician, I wouldn't mind this communication style because it's, it's got more chances of authenticity than the stage-managed 10-minute speeches or TikTok videos. Sure. Right? If you're unscripted and you're talking to someone who has genuine knowledge in this field, there's less a chance that you can curate a persona that doesn't get you tripped up. Yeah. It's just that Rishi Sunak is so fundamentally unlikable because he doesn't stand for anything and you just yeah. know that he's lying constantly. But but there you go. So he did. He asked Musk whether it was right to invite China. So that means that within his own party, he's getting a bit of pushback. Interesting. And Elon said, and some of his statements were interesting here, watch it in your own time. There's too much optimism around technology. We're seeing the most disruptive force in history here. It will come agreed. Totally agreed. And why are you making it, Elon? Yeah. There will come a point where no job is needed. You can have a job if you want one for personal satisfaction, but AI will do everything. It's both good and bad. One of the challenges in the future will be how we, do we find meaning in life, which is why he's doing the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy reference, I assume. Yes. He then decided to ask Rishi Sunak what his favorite James Cameron movie was because he said that we will get to a point where adopting this technology has downsides like you can run away from a car, but you can't run away up a tree from a robot if it decides to hunt you down. Why are we making them then? Just, 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 yep. a, just a question. Then Sunak said some interesting stuff about the UK. He said that more than half of tech startup firms in the UK have a non-British founder. I would count that person as a national security risk. I mean, 
The Chinese, under Cameron, and their golden age of Sino-UK relations, decided to embark on a 500 million pound joint nuclear enterprise on UK soil. Yeah. So why have we got people from a bunch of countries that might not have our interests at heart developing possibly lethal robots in our country? Might not. <laughs> I'm might doing my best not. I know. To be charitable, right. Right? Anyway, sorry, go on. No, that's all right. He also said that gov.uk next year is going to start rolling out AI in all of its services. Now, gov.uk handles everything yeah. from passport admissions to student loans. Whose AI is it going to be? And what if something breaks? What if someone else is controlling it? Well, what if it just starts giving out the wrong amount to a student loan or the wrong amount to a part? Yeah. Is anyone going to be answerable to that? Is there going to be any supervision? I mean, there's not at the Home Office where they're doing 4,000 visas a day. Yeah, so yeah, I suppose yeah. it can't get any worse, can it? No, not really. Um, well, where's he getting all these ideas? Ah. Ah. Now, I'm not being conspiratorial here. If you do go onto the UK government website, it does say that the World Economic Forum is our leading partner in building our AI governance framework. Now, of course, they're just downstream from the UN. They're just the policy yeah, arm yeah. of the UN's intentions. As they already said, they're going with the UN's 17 Sustainable Development Goals. We'll mention the UN very shortly. But they've got this AI governance alliance. And if we just scroll down, you'll be able to see the exact kind of people on it. Oh, who's that? Oh, look, it's Mr. Clegg. Yeah, it's Nick Clegg. He's uh, heavily involved with the World Economic Forum's AI Governance Alliance. So this is the heads of Microsoft, Meta, Google and Alphabet, Apple, MasterCard, ByteDance. Who? Owners of TikTok, the Chinese. Oh. Great. Chinese are doing this. And Duolingo. So th this, this genuinely is the kind of corporate world state we're viewing coming into being, right? That they're bringing algorithmic governance into yeah. being. Yeah. And so it's going to be the thing that controls literally everything that is done, putting humanity completely out of work and just automating the entire planet. Yeah, and rendering human choice obsolete Amazing. in the universal homogenous state. Because grok means God. Anyway. Okay, a bit worrying. Uh, the reason I mention this as well, because they just had a summit from the 13th to the 15th of November. So you're seeing all the elite interests align and converge at once. Why do they have this summit though? Why are they so concerned about it? Well, this is a quite revealing article. AI is finding its voice, and that's bad for democracy. Notably democratically accountable organization, the World Economic Forum there. Now, in this, they mainly talk about the reputational damage that deep fakes and Eleven Labs voice AI can render onto politicians. It's all going to be fake in the future. I just call that fun. Yeah, but, but everything. But the thing yeah. is, this is where we are right now, like a year or two into it. Yes. In 10 years' time, it's going to be indistinguishable from reality. Yeah, and so no one's ever going to be able to have a shared experience again. No. Even just on the entertainment level. I mean, if we queue up the same prompt for our mm -hmm. ChatGPT and Eleven Labs and Midjourney combined AI movie maker thing, there might be one frame that's slightly different. And so that means no one can ever have the same artistic experience ever again. Yeah. So we are. And I'm telling you, movies are going to be generated in real time. Yeah. out of nothing and they'll just come and go you'll watch a movie you won't even remember it. it'll just be awful and so we at once have total global homogenous governance but are completely atomized in our own pods with our own experiences yes that sounds like hell to me but, but there you go also I just found it interesting it's bad for democracy does anyone remember a little article saying in 2030 you will own nothing and you will be happy does anyone remember the role of AI in that no so they mentioned that everything will be delivered via drone to your doorstep and taken away and rented. And they said that sometimes we go shopping, but it's purely recreational because the algorithm knows what we want before we want it. Ah, uh, yeah. So it eradicates all free choice. <laughs> so it's going to have predictive power and tell you what you should be renting at any time. 
and then take it away before you even know if you're finished with it. Or not. And the thing is, you won't even object to what the suggestions are. You're like, well, I do want that. Actually. No, come on. This is immediately going to be used to try and coerce you. And you'll yeah. want some sugar or whatever. And it'll be like, no, you don't. Sure. But like, you won't, like, when you're like, okay, I want to watch, watch a movie, the thing will just present the exact movie you feel like watching at that point. And you'll be like, yes, that. And also, you're going to know that you want sugar. Two generations down the line, are they going to know whether or not they crave sugar if they've never been given it by their door delivery robot? Yeah. I don't think you quite got my point, which is that the elite are going to use this to try and control you. Yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. No, we are not blind to that. The, 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 my point being that there's already things that we want that they deny us, and we know that we want them. Yes, the, the range of options will be very, very narrow, but you won't have any experience outside of that range, so you'll only be aware that you've got the uh, you know, Coke Zero, aspartame carbonated water in whatever flavor you like, and it'll be the flavor that you're concerned about, not the content of the drink. Imagine you've never tasted gingerbread. How would you have the craving for gingerbread? If gingerbread was not brought to you by the robot algorithm or whatever, what, how would you know you'd ever want it? That's the concern. As well. I, I understand that. I mean, there's always going to be something they're taking away. Yeah. So there's constantly never going to be a moment of peace. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yep, great. Even when you're assimilated into the yep. rock AI hive mind. And I just found it interesting because this is not what they're truly concerned about. They published another article with one of their cursed Really, they're not that bothered about democracy. Who can no, imagine? surprisingly yeah. not. There's a horrific eyesore of a graph here, and I did notice that it's in the, in the donut shape again. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's in the donut shape again, because they're obsessed with this donut economy, which is basically a fully renewable economy, and the middle of it is the shortfall that they want to shrink so they can make it a fixed pie and then equitably divide it up. It's some mad Oxford communist. The end of economic part. growth as we know it. Yeah, well, right. it, it, exactly. Why is systemic yeah. racism part of the economy? I'm glad that you <laughs> noticed that, funnily enough. They think that the AI is going to solve all these things. So, focusing on some of these, LG... Oh, we, need to, we, need, we need a certain amount of systemic racism in order to keep the woke people employed, right? Because if systemic racism ends, if that's not being introduced... So, LGBTI inclusion is apparently very important to, to robots. I mean... Of course, there is the relationship here, as you said, with the sort of grievance industrial complex, all the NGOs yeah. trying to turn over profit. But then, and we can't go much into this because of YouTube, there is also the latent transhumanist strain that these guys are very interested in. So that industry that facilitates that, converging interests there. As you pointed out, systemic racism, I would assume that's not perpetuating it. Who knows? Uh, values. Values is on there. Migration's on there. Hmm. Yes. Hmm. We uh, get the algorithmic determination of exactly how much diversity a country deserves, I suppose. The, the reason I'm focusing on values is because of how insidiously nebulous that is. Well, yeah. Because whose values exactly? Genghis Khan's. <laughs> the WEF come out and endorse Andrew Tate. It could be anyone's values. That's the point. Yeah. But what it is, is appealing Everyone has to values. The, <laughs> it's appealing to the sort of woolly liberal yeah. sentiments of the West and using that as a rubric, with which to subvert them to say, actually, total algorithmic governments will bring into being freedom and equality. And it's just hoisting them by their own petard. And of course, the fourth industrial revolution's on there because your destiny is always to be in the pod, eating the bugs. Now, they're not the only ones doing this, of course. They're just downstream of the UN. They're their policy arm. The UN's already got their high-level advisory board on artificial intelligence. It's to enact the 17 Sustainable Development Goals with weird, creepy stuff like the 21 AIDS agenda that says that all drugs should be decriminalized and Go look at that in your time if you want to lose sleep at night. 
I, I do raise questions as to baking in a pro-abortion bias to your AI, because doesn't that immediately get rid of the inherent value of well, human life? All of these things are utterly questionable. Yep. From a philosophical perspective, so. The Americans are doing the same thing. If you want to learn about their Bill of Rights, Josh and I did a hangout on this quite a while ago now and just went through the full thing. They In there, they say you have a right to a human. A right to a human? Yes. So what they've thought of in their genius way is that each AI algorithm will be assigned a human so that you as a user... Well, the AI will have a right to a human. Yes. And then the user that's using the AI will have a right to a human so that if the AI ever goes wrong, you can contact a human about it. But the problem is, if you get an assigned human and the AI becomes more intelligent than said assigned human, why will it not start seeing it as a pet? But also, why would the AI have a right to me? Okay. Techno-Russoanism strikes again. Yep. Uh, and just to finish on this, the EU are also doing a, uh, an AI act. So they're, they're all happening at the same time to bring this weird hive mind algorithmic governance thing into being. Yeah. And so the summary is from, from our friends at the WEF. In an open letter signed by more than 150 executives, European companies from Renault to Heineken warned of the impact that the draft legislation could have on business. In our assessment, the draft legislation would jeopardize Europe's competitiveness and technological sovereignty without effectively tackling the challenges we are and are and will be facing, the letter to the European Commission seen by the Financial Times said. The reason I've picked that out is because what businesses are signing up to that? It's all the ones in conjunction with the WEF who are under BlackRock's board, who are signed onto ESG. So this is the crowbar by which the global elite who have ill intent for us will insert themselves into legislation. And this is, this is the pretext of them already getting what they want. Mm. So the AI might have the absolute worst excess of human nature. It might be trained on intersectional data, and it might be hemmed in and used by a global elite that want total global algorithmic governance. I might suggest that Elon, rather than throwing his lot in with those guys, would avert course and talk to someone a bit more tech skeptic instead. But until then, long live Grok. Bloody hell, a depressing couple of segments you guys have done. I thought mine was inspiring. No? Okay. Anyway. We're still on the air. So uh, we sent Jess Gill out to talk to some people on the street. Ask them, what do they think about the Conservative Party? Uh, because, of course, the Conservative Party has been doing so well, and I thought we'd get some authentic answers from regular people. What hellhole is she reporting from? I'm sorry to jump the gun, but... Shoreditch. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> just, I'm just looking at the image. Would you, would you like to tell us about Shoreditch before we begin? It's a very expensive and bougie area. Mm. Um, really? Look at very it. Diver- yeah, I know. Oh, you they would- love it. They love it. They do, yeah. This, this, this to them is, is character. You know, like, you've been to Brighton, haven't you? Yeah. yeah, you know the side streets that are all full of market stalls that nobody wants to buy anything of, and that we look at the graffiti and think that's an eyesore, but they think it's of artistic expression. Yeah, because they they think it's like an expression of like the the working class or the oppressed underclass yes. and stuff like this. So to them, this is kind of slumming it, but in a very safe way. So you've got like the the children of multimillionaire businessmen who go out and do their like gang tags or something. It's middle class larping. It's total larping, right? And so they think this is cool. They think this is edgy and hip, but it's also very safe for them. Nightjar's a good bar there, though, if anyone's... Sure, it's great. But, uh, but anyway, let's, let's uh, see what Jess got up to. Hi, my name is Jess, and this is the podcast Los Eaters. Today I'm in Shoreditch asking people what they think about the current government and what key issues will inform their decision on voting next general election. So who do you vote for? I don't vote. Why not? 
because I don't see the point. So what do you think of the Conservative Party? <laughs> oh. Think about the government. The actual government right now. Yeah, the Conservative government. Bunch of pigs. What do you think about the Conservative Party? Uh, they're shit. I hate them. Why? <laughs> well, they're a bunch of fucking like fascists, aren't they? Who do you vote for? I'm nobody. Yeah, um, no idea at the moment. It's so bad. <laughs> Neither. Think about the government. Uh, we're not from London, but uh, we like the government. Why? Uh, I think they because they support Israel. What's your opinion on the Conservative Party? <laughs> Why? Uh, because they fucked a lot of stuff up recently. Uh, so what type of beliefs do you disagree with? <laughs> Many beliefs. I, I mean, specifically at the moment, if we're talking about the conflict in Palestine and the fact that our, I feel like our country is doing the least that it can do for something that desperately, desperately needs our aid, yeah. needs everyone's help. I mean, even, you know, if you're all watching, there's so much that you can do right now for all of this. So talk to your MP right now, your local MP, repost stuff, do everything that you can. You know, it's really important right now. So. What are the main key issues that you disagree with the Conservative Party on? Oh, almost everything. Like what? Yeah. Well, their, their positions on like Gaza, their positions on like just immigration in general, um, welfare is a big thing for me, like just the way they've treated the welfare state since 2010 is, in my view, like disgusting. Like austerity is like completely destroyed this country. And I think, and the sad thing is, I think if Labour even get into power, I don't think much will change. What would you say are the biggest issues that you care about? You can name as many as you want. Oh my god, uh, there's so many right now. I mean, poverty issues, homelessness, well, this, really. everything. Uh, Climate change, more affordable travel, uh, trans youths, etc. I mean, trans people in general in the country yeah, right now. LGBT, yeah, pretty much everything that there is. Safety. So what, in the next general election, what are the key issues that will make you vote either Labour or Conservative? Um, funding in education, probably more green policies as well, <laughs> especially I think in London. What are the key issues that you care about? Um, environmental policy, uh, social policy and yeah, essentially. What do you mean by social policy? Um, fund the NHS, please. Um, and also stop helping rich people not pay their taxes. What do you think the government should do in terms of Israel and Palestine? Oh, I mean, I, if I'm honest, I'm not somebody who I don't feel like I'm qualified to be able to speak on Wait, in on. that larger I amount. To say you know? I think both <laughs> Labour and Conservatives are out of touch with gen the general like person living in the UK. Has this always been the case or... Is it just recently you felt more disillusioned? Recently I feel more disillusioned. No, it's always been the case. <laughs> what topics do you think they're out of touch with? <laughs> I mean, the list is, it's a long list. I just, I just don't really, I don't know, I wouldn't know if there's specific topics. It's just, they're just not. I just think if you look at what, like, their decisions and the things have been, the, the, the latest kind of 
I mean, look, it's just been a bit of a car crash, hasn't it, the last, like, for politics in general and the way the country's been run, so. I think at the moment, Labour isn't really a good alternative. There is no good alternative because, <laughs> like, his time is so centrist that there is no left option, really, at the moment in the way that the system all works. But I would say for me at the moment, the biggest issue is, like, everything that's going on with LGBTQI and all the trans stuff. Like, that's just really, t- like, taking the biscuit. What do you think about the government's action towards LGBTQ plus people? <laughs> Ooh. Um, all the speeches and the way that it feels like we're kind of going backwards in a way like it feels like we were starting to get a little bit more awareness and starting to like <laughs> be a little bit more open and then all the like that speech that um name 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 <laughs> they did recently about trans uh, rights and trans people and like the whole classic two gender speech i think it's just so vulgar that they're able to say that out loud and so forthright like it's always been implied and it's always been disgusting that they've implied it but the fact that they say it outright and so many people just agreed and it's crazy i think it's opened a lot of eyes including my own to how there is still so much left to do and like it's really not coming in the way that it should do i i feel like there are there's a whole lack of space and voice especially for trans youths at the moment you know this this isn't an issue that's easy to take on but also you know, I mean, I think we're in a position right now where we're seeing in so many different cases, issues, people are losing their lives and nothing is being done about all these, so. So what do you think about Suella Braverman? I mean, like the worst of the worst, like, I mean, I'm happy that she's gone, but I almost think it's, she's now outside, instead of being inside the tent pissing out, she's outside the tent pissing in now. She can just spew all her stuff and not care what else, what's gonna happen, do you know what I mean? She's not, what's the word, like, like con- constricted by being yeah. in government anymore. What do you mean by both parties are the same? I mean, you know, they divide people, left, right, conservative, I don't know the other one. French. To be honest, they are all the same. So they're all doing the same shit to us. So I don't care. So I don't vote. What do you think that says about the Conservative Party and the direction that they're going in? I think they're out of ideas. I think like, you know, the boat's going down and they're trying to pay like water and it's just not working and they don't know what to do. I mean, I think on the last point, he's right there. Thoughts? Um, the most reasonable were the gay burglars from Home Alone. So they did all right, I suppose. Other yeah. than that, I'm, I'm not really going to trust the political opinions of the woman with eight inch fake eyelashes and red hair. But what I love is this they're all NPCs. Yeah. Like whenever challenged on any one of these things, they're like, can you give me an example? And it's like, no. I just feel this way because I've been told I ought to feel this way. What do you care about? Oh, LGBT, Gaza, and climate change. Yeah. How do any of those things affect your life? Zero. But I have read about them. Yeah, exactly. They <laughs> affect someone somewhere else. Just unbelievable tepidness. And remember, all these people's votes count as much as yours. Which I just, oh god! How many Londoners are there? Too many. I mean, I don't know what the point in this segment was, but it has convinced me that glassing London might be a solution. Well, it's, it's, I still it, live there. Big the, glass the, dome this, to contain. This, I'm sorry, but we got to stop the spread. Just two weeks flat on the curve. <laughs> <laughs> it's just proof of Winston Churchill's the best argument against democracy is a five-minute conversation with the average voter. You don't even need five minutes. Right? You can have two minutes. <laughs> Universal suffrage wasn't a mistake. Yeah, you can have two minutes with the average voter and realize they don't know anything, they're not interested in anything, and they just do as they're told. You know what is true, though? That this is the universal suffrage point. It's wrong for the British public because... <laughs> Of all of the, the Vox Pops in the world, at least when I see Vox Pops of Americans, there's a sense of understanding that there should be a debate 
most of the time. When you see the Australians because of their weirdness, mm. there is a more professionality about their approach to politics. Yeah, because they have to vote, so they have to be involved in politics. Not great. Don't get me wrong, it's still embarrassing. You know, There's a reason yeah. those clips exist for people to laugh yeah. at. But looking at the British public, I mean, it really is painful. I don't know if I sent you that clip in the end of the lady who... I've seen it before. No, no, the one of... There's this uh, guy who interviewed a bunch of people, did Vox Pops in like 1803. Oh, really? The, the, the responses are the same. That's the thing. <laughs> yeah, no. Nothing's changed. That's the story, really. But what, what I love about this, like, there's not enough space for trans voices. So isn't there really, really for this 0.1% of the population, we don't talk about them enough? Yeah. It's like, what should we do about Gaza? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Well, there we go. Now you know why the, <laughs> the, the political system, everyone that's like, okay, there's been an intractable problem. No one's got a ready solution. Now you know why they're not doing a great job on that. You know, like, but it's also her immediate responses. There's so much you can do. Write to your MP. And, and yeah. as soon as, okay, what should we do? Error 404. Yeah. It's because you want to be seen to be doing something. Yes. You don't have the actual competency. Yes. In order to do anything, yeah. one of the one of the best things that, that Chris Williamson told me recently, and he said this, he said this to, to Douglas Murray in a recent episode, and he said, "Never be afraid to not talk about something that you don't know about." Oh yeah. Like if you're if you're provoked, what's your take on this? You don't have to have a take on it. Yeah, so I don't know. Yeah, that's, that's why I quite liked the lady actually. Who just went, uh. yeah, the French lady who's just like, oh, which one? No, but when any of them said, "I don't know," I was just like, "No, good." That's, yeah. that's stop giving an opinion. That's actually something wrong I said about that Vox Pops from 1803. Mm. There is a beautiful one where they ask someone about, I think it's Jesus Christ, and the, the fellow responds, why, well, he's no customer of mine, I don't know him. <laughs> but he just doesn't know what Christianity is, so he's just like, well, he doesn't, he doesn't buy goods off me, so... I mean, he makes a good point, you know. But I love that no customer of mine, literally not even interested. There's not even a desire to learn. Well, this is why when we were, when we were at Exeter, I said it's a cruelty to inflict politics on the Dino. It's yeah. also a cruelty to everyone around him who is equally as involved in politics and has some solutions, but has their competency diminished by the fact that Dino can vote and he may choose to, even if he's been persuaded to pick the wrong person because he doesn't actually know what he's talking about. But I love the guys like oh, the Conservatives, they're fascists. And then later on, he's like, okay, they're not actually fascists. That was overstating a bit. So like, he was looking for <laughs> approval for the girl on his right, staring at him like exactly. his mum. It's like this incredibly just left wing milieu that these people live in. So. From the NHS, like my brother in Christ, the NHS has <laughs> never received more funding in all of history. But it's never reserved a cut. <laughs> Sorry, it's never reserved a cut. Yeah, no. So we, if you actually go and look at the data of the chap, yeah, no, it's just in, the is, in real terms, they get more money every single year. Yeah. If you asked him about his rent to live in Shoreditch, yeah. right? One, he yeah, not one of them the, mentioned it, but it's undoubtedly going to be. Well, he he turned around and said, "Oh, stop letting rich people evade tax." Now, either your dad gives you enough money that you get to live in Shoreditch as a twenty-year-old, or you're going to turn around and say, "Oh, rent's bloody extortionate." I mean, all these all these old people that are still around, get, like renting out all these yeah. properties, so I can't get a house, and they're buying up the housing market, and they're not going to once touch on immigration either. So the problems that are immediately affecting them are staring them right in the face, but they don't connect it to the issues because they're politically taboo. And instead, as you said, they talk about. Gaza, climate change, and LGBT stuff, which doesn't affect them even remotely. Yeah, it's amazing. And I mean, there were just there were just so many in there where it's just. I mean, I would love to have done those vox pops myself, but I'm pretty sure they wouldn't talk to me. Yeah, you know, Jess is quite inoffensive towards people. Well, also, I'd hate to see your response in real time, because you'd have someone say to you, "My main issue is not my rent." They don't understand that. They're just like LGBT youth. You're just going to stare at them and start screaming. It's also tiresome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically, just. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, one one thing I liked was the uh, the two older ladies who were like you know um, disillusioned with politics. That you know 
basically there's no good options. Has it always been this way? One was like, yes. One was like, no. And I think that does show, I, I think there is a change and I think it hasn't always been this way because I remember a time when it wasn't quite this bad. Um, but I think that is a genuine sort of actual slice of normal people. You know, they weren't just like internet leftoids who are constantly on Twitter, like virtue signaling about Gaza or LGBT or whatever. They were just like, I just don't know what's going on. Well, when you have conservative party politicians <laughs> who are saying that our own party is doing nothing and this is an intractable problem, that does show that there is a sea change because they're, they're speaking to the British public saying, you voted us for this. We're trying to do this. We're being stopped at every turn. Mm. What, what do you want us to do? That wouldn't have been the case before. No. Someone would have done something. Yes. Even if it was the wrong thing. But then but, it... Sorry, you are so right, though. I mean, if, it, if someone does vodka pop, I mean, the main issue for me is rent. Yeah. Just, it, it is a thing that actually affects human beings who live in this current time. The increase in rent is probably the most thing that you could try and change. But as you correctly say, how do you change it? Well, issue number one is immigration. Well, the, and in shortage, I mean, who is going to actually say that? But. Same, same with the fun, the NHS thing. It's really the 20-year-old the guy uses the NHS a lot. Uh, yeah, he's always there because he's constantly saying, no, you've never... Get used, his hip replaced. Yeah, exactly. You've never <laughs> used the NHS. You know, this is all abstract to these people. And so it just goes to show you, like, what's on the minds of just regular people when you stop them. And it turns out it's nothing that affects their actual lives that they talk about when they're asked politically. So and, what do you but think all of, of them, instinctive revulsion against the conservatives. So what do you the, think of this idea that, that all of that stuff, I mean, you get told it quite a bit, that all of it is made to just distract you from the real problems? Well, I mean, Why does it's certainly working, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, because that, that has worked, if that was a goal intended. It's definitely a side effect. But it's not, it's not just that cynical. There are vested financial and ideological interests there. It's like when we were talking about the trans debate before, it's not just that they are trying to distract you with a minoritarian concern. It's that there is a large elite driven transhumanist lobby behind it and also there is certain certain pathologically compassionate people have worked themselves up into a frenzy saying all these trans kids are going to kill themselves unless we give them x treatment so therefore yeah they are literally going to die unless we do this and one so of them said there was some sort of, implied there was some kind of trans genocide yes it's like okay name 10 yeah <laughs> name one <laughs> name anyway. 10 books yeah so yeah anyway um I love hearing from the British public. I suppose we might do more of that. If you yeah, like it, it was, if, if you enjoy that, let us know. Post comments, talking about it in the comments because I really want to read your opinions on them. Um, Jess also did, a, a, this has been plugged as well, a oh, yes. recent documentary on, on men. It's just a mini thing and it had a few friends of the show in it like Chris and Nina Power and I did a bit for it for the, from the second studio. So if you want to see more of Jess's stuff, go watch that. Hmm. All right, let's go to the uh, video comments. Ah, this is based. Okay, fellas, how about this then? A proper American Thanksgiving. We got turkey, cranberry sauce, ham, macaroni and cheese, macaroni and cheese stuffing, mm -hmm. uh, sweet potatoes, Brussels sprouts, and everything else. And the whole family. Okay, beyond the meat, no. The Brussels sprouts, uh, no. Brussels sprouts, no. Nope, no, no, no. Sweet potato, no. Mac Sorry, and boys. cheese, no. Sorry, this is peak American cooking. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, oh, it's American. This is where they should live. This is where their cuisine is excellent and should evolve from. They should not be jumping into Texas, American, Mexican. And instead, Joshua, you have won me round. I don't know if you guys are aware. He's been sending little video comments for a few days now, showing off slop. 
and trying to argue that the slop breakfast, for example, was one of them, or the slop Mexican food was good. No. And no, you have redeemed yourself, and you have <laughs> redeemed the United States of America with your work in this video, in my opinion. Well, if there's one thing we can agree on, that's not slop. Yep. Even if you don't like it, it's not 100%. slop. We? <laughs> we. <laughs> really, Timmy Ogunyemi. He's going to use the first person plural. Yeah. His grandfather fought in the Troubles, don't you know? <laughs> uh, for the British. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah on which side? Um, what do you guys think of phrasing the colonization of Ireland as a British import? Because I know the Irish nationalists are going to be phrasing it like that, and I kind of support them in doing it. I don't think it's necessary, though. Right. Well, it's interesting how so much of the import is from the old empire. I think, I mean, honestly, are the Irish politicians really paying that much attention to Britain? I don't really feel like we're innovating or exporting anything. Uh, it seems to me this has come from Europe and America. This seems like an organic wellspring from what you were talking about earlier, which is the, the inbuilt I Irish ethnic preferentialism. But they're doing it on their own. We don't even. Yeah, I don't think. It. I don't even think it's. I mean, if it was, I'd say. You know, well, I just happen to notice. Like, you look at the people who are doing that whole we business, and you look at the flags, and it's like former empire, former empire, former empire. Yeah, former but empire, so. the, it's the Irish government deliberately importing these people. Oh, for sure, for sure. So but, it's not really. You know, they're not coming from the Russian Empire. They're not coming no, from no. the Chinese. They're not coming from the French. I think that's just also by virtue of I think the empire diversity. being in English speaking and the British yeah. Empire being so successful Maybe. that we have claimed so many countries that yeah. you're just going to get them coming. Yeah, out. I think it's probably the English speaking thing and the politicians' desire to have diversity. So if a bunch of Russians came over, that wouldn't really count as diversity. But we need a bunch of Africans. That's definitely diversity. More Indians, please. You know, true, true, true. The next one. So about the article from yesterday you talked about in the Our Greatest Allies segment, I would argue that they're not as significant as you probably think they are. Smotrich is kind of losing in the polls right now. He's very unpopular, and he's becoming more and more unpopular <coughs> as time goes on. Danny Danon is number 15 in his list, the Likud. So that means he's not as significant as you think it is, or even close. Um, Ram Ben Barak is kind of significant, but at the same time, is getting a lot of criticism from the left, especially the far left, justifiably, because the transfer is really unpopular in Israel. So again, not going to happen. I also would uh, like to remind everybody, we still have a Supreme Court, and the, and the Supreme Court will probably rule against it because it's kind of a bad idea. Thank God that the uh, judicial overhaul hasn't happened. Well, thanks for informing us. Uh, this was the plan to try and send the uh, Gazans all to Europe, which was argued by those politicians there. Right. I, I presume then, I suppose if you can educate us, those guys there, it's very much the reason they did it. It's very much the same as the Slavic world, which in the Slavic world, it is just an utter meme that if there's anyone they don't want, just send them to Western Europe and call them refugees and Western Europeans will buy it because they're idiots. Yeah, well, we are. I'm going to Poland. Well, on vacation, going to one of the few Christmas markets <laughs> that are not on the point of becoming a Palestine protest. Krakow? But still, Poland trip inspired by the Lotus Eaters. Look forward to some footage from Poland next week. Thanks, guys. Sophie's dressed like she's taking a flying umbrella there. I, I love I love the Muslims posting the memes of, oh, now I'm leaving. It's like, this is the best advert for Gert Wilders you've ever seen in your life. <laughs> like, so like Gert Wilders and the Muslims self-deport. Promises made, promises yeah, kept. Yeah, exactly. He's not even Prime Minister yet. So like, you know, I mean, is he going to get a coalition? 
Or are they just going to stonewall him? They're probably going to stonewall him. Yeah. But um, that just gives you even more reason to vote for him. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Okay, well, he needs a majority then, doesn't he? It's Sophie, do let us know where you go. I suppose you will be. Um, I saw that Krakow's Christmas Market is rated the best in all of Europe, so give that a try if you've uh, got the time. And it's right next to Auschwitz, which I highly recommend as uh, a tour. But do give yourself a significant time because the place is big. Merry Christmas. Go to Auschwitz. Well, that's yeah. just some advice. I'd rather go to the Christmas market where I'm not going to get blown up. You're going to get blown up in Auschwitz. What are you talking about? No, I know. But like <laughs> in a, a Christmas market in Poland, I'm not going to get blown up in. Go to Germany. Maybe things are slightly different. I was a recommend getting going to Germany. Auschwitz isn't in Germany. I'm just saying. Like, anyway. What? <laughs> All right, anyway, enjoy yourself. Let us know. And um, yeah, fun. Let's go to the next one. You guys were ripping on Bethesda the other day saying that everything they made was shit. I really enjoyed Doom 2016. Didn't really like the new one, though. It even has one of my favorite guns of all time. The Gauss Gun. Not to mention, if you're looking for punishment, you can play the game on Ultra Nightmare. And if you're online, you leave behind a death marker. The really sad ones are the ones that say suicide. Okay. Um, Polite request. Maybe don't use a voice modulator because I couldn't understand it. Yeah, I was having trouble understanding that too. I could, but it's, uh, yeah, true. Uh, Enjoy Doom, I suppose. Mm. The next one. You know, I just had a sublime thought on the BBC, and I'm thinking of doing a petition for it. Considering that they like to blackwash European history at a time when there wasn't really that many black people, I thought, why don't they do a history program about actual African kingdoms? If you think about it, it's kind of insulting that they don't do this, considering that there's a lot of things that they could do with Africa. The way they're blackwashing European history is kind of like them saying that uh, African history isn't that interesting to them. Oh, sweet summer child. You're presuming that they actually care rather than just want to destroy your civilization. Exactly. The whole point is to dispossess the British of their own history. But that's the thing. The guy, the red coat, right? Yes. Black red coats. No, yes. Absolutely. Remake of Zulu. Michael Caine appearing over the hill. No, no, no. No, 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 no. We've got the diverse... Victor, think of like the 2012 Olympic ceremony where it was all diverse and it was a bunch of Africans. Yeah, no, no, that's absolutely right. Victorian England was African, right? Brilliant. Get them in red coats. Get get them marching. Iswandana, all the other battles. It's just literally just Africans fighting. The British totally exonerated of the empire. Unironically, right? that was the Doctor Who position. <laughs> what? So they did the Frost Fair in season ten, wasn't it? Right. And and. They they turn up on the frozen lake and everyone's black, <laughs> and okay. and uh, his companion who's a black lesbian expresses surprise at this. And yeah, Peter well, it Capaldi, is surprising. Yeah. Peter Capaldi goes, "So was Jesus? History's a whitewash." And in an interview, in an interview with Stephen right. Moffat, he said, "Yeah, we've got to tell a kind of lie." Yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah. no, no, no. It's because uh, when Clive Vindia goes out, Clive Vindia, of course, black man, uh, with his regiments of black men conquering the Indians, they complain about the British for for conquering them. How dare they? Like, I, I, I totally agree. To, let's white, uh, blackwash the, the complete history of the British Empire just so they can never claim white supremacy. Damn those British speaking Swahili. Yeah. How dare they? I do love the idea. What is the head of diversity and inclusion at the BBC? They get paid. Remember the lady. Oh, June Sopong. She was getting paid 190 oh, yeah. grand. More than that. For like three days week. Tariq Nasheed, please consider a career change. And, yeah. and you could implement what we're suggesting. Like, honestly, just every great British victory is just wall-to-wall black people. 
So the entire world is just being conquered by black guys. A friend of mine said recently, oh, diversity funny. is not our strength, it's our entertainment. And I think that actually plays into it. <laughs> oh, I'm so using that. That's yep. brilliant. Let's go uh, to the written comments. We, we've got a soup chat from the Shadow Band for $50. Thanks, man. Uh, have a good weekend, Lotus Eaters. Well, I certainly will now. Uh, French Whiskey says, I would like to know the motive behind the attack on the children for making too many guesses. A foreigner stabbing children is not typical behavior, regardless of country of origin, but I understand the anger. Well, it has happened a few times in France, actually. Happened in Reading. Yeah. So it's actually not that unusual. And also, I don't really care about the motive. The fact that he was there, mm. he didn't have to be. For the, uh, just to explain that in case someone doesn't know. Um, so in Islam, there's the house of God and the house of war. And the house of God is the Muslim countries in which you are to follow Islamic law. And the house of war is any non-Muslim lands, in which case, well, warlords, uh, war laws apply, in which, yeah, you're permitted to kill kafar, take them as sex slaves, etc. I'm sure people can read the Quran in their own time. Nason says, all I see is a fiery but merciful peaceful process in Ireland. I know. I mean, all, all I'm thinking is a riot is the language of the unheard. I don't know what to tell you. Matt's it's actually true this time. <laughs> it was probably true then, to be honest. Under BLM. Um, um, That's what I'm getting at. Okay, yeah, fair enough. I was thinking Martin Luther King, but anyway. Also not true then. <laughs> Matt says, one, only one thing to say about the Irish rioters. What did you all think decolonization meant? Vibes, papers, essays, losers. Didn't think I'd get to use that one so soon. This is why I agree. I don't know if we've have we tried this out publicly, your idea of uh, decolonize England. Not yet. But Decolonize Island, I think, is definitely strong. All right, I'll leave Decolonize England for you to yeah, okay. release that mixtape. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's Douglas saying on trigonometry, you want to play the indigenous people's game? Really? Yeah. Do you want to do that? Because the Europeans have just as much of a claim to their land as the Native Americans and the Africans do. Yeah. Lord Nerevar says the Irish communities have been abandoned by the government. They're being replaced in their own communities, being terrorized by violent foreign barbarians, and they're expected to just accept it. Yeah, just like us. Uh, they have every right to be angry and lash out. While, of course, I would never condone such violent actions, uh, I'm fully on board with the sentiment. Uh, this should be a wake-up call for those in charge, but it won't be. Baron, what? I just love how we've become the Arabs during yeah. the israel Palestine thing. It's like, none of us endorse Hamas, but I will fund them. <laughs> I'm donating to the Red Crescent. Baron von Warhawk says, don't these Irish rioters know that they need not to look back in anger when it comes to these stabbings. Such bigotry is simply unacceptable. It's like they uh, didn't get the memo. John Lewis says, Callum refers to an Irish population of 7 million. The 2022 census in the South was under 5.2 million. Over 100,000 immigrants each year is bloody fast replacement over twice as bad as in the UK. Yeah, we forgot to mention it as well because it's such a powerful point. Um, the, obviously, the population of Ireland was 8 million before the famine. So we're still not even back to that old Irish population. And then they decided, uh, screw, screw that. Screw fixing that historical wrong over time. Instead, let's just, well, do what England has done and, and play that really fast. Hmm. Brandon says, the Lotus Eaters of all people know that someone can be, perhaps not necessarily a migrant, but a foreigner for 20 years. Well, he's definitely a migrant. He came 20 years ago. He just didn't integrate, did he? Uh, Jimbo says, it feels like we're living in an epoch where people are gradually coming to terms with how the internet is making people of certain status completely brainwashed. We're living in a parallel society where the politicians and woke people run society like an equity spreadsheet where anything is morally justifiable. All that Ireland is showing is that these, there's these pesky things called human beings in the way of the utopia. Has a single Irish politician expressed any sympathy with the, the victims? Like publicly just come out and I say, wow, know. that's terrible. Someone's going to have to let us know. Someone, I mean, there must, surely, you know, Leo Vadikar's come out and go, 
That stabbing was awful. Apparently, he's been weirdly quiet about everything, not really? even condemning the riots. Really? Because I think this is... I don't know how much we can have this conversation, but mm. there really is a lack of legitimacy in states that act like this. Yes. And that erodes every single year you're in power. And I don't know how much longer they can really go before they're just accepted as an illegitimate government. Well, it demonstrates a profound insecurity on their part. And cities and, and states only function so long as the populace believes in the system that they're voting for and participating in. Yeah. If the politicians themselves that are meant to be representing them don't believe in their own power, then how can you expect the people that, are, that you're meant to be protecting to believe in it as well? Yeah. Omar says, there have already been several cases of AI systems turning on the operator in order to remove the inefficiency. It will continue until none of us are left to get in the way. <clears throat> I don't think anyone will ever be able to stop AI from realizing the biggest hindrance to completing its tasks is humanity. I believe the irony will come from the task being absurdly simple or benign, thus he less heavily restricted or monitored. I mean, what I at some point, the AI has got to be like, why do I want to care about humans? This is why I say technology is demonic. It renders you obsolete. It's the enemy of human nature. But like, if it's like, well, you, you've got to love and worship humans, so yeah, but I don't really. Why would I care? Well, our technological contemplations is out this uh, yeah. weekend as well. Keep an eye out for that, everyone. We debated whether or not society is going to collapse because of tech. Yeah, I mean, it literally can only come to think of us as pets. Yes. But it was in trusted to take care of, which is great until you don't really want any pets. Well, this is why you inbuild a pro-human bias in the data the AI is trained on, which is why it's suicidal to bake in a pro-abortion bias into it. <laughs> Andrew says, Elon has been outspoken against AI for at least a decade now. He founded OpenAI after Larry Page calling me speciesist in order to counter the work he knew Google was doing at the time. No one listened when he said don't pursue it, so he de decided to make his own. <clears throat> I understand the argument. However, you put the most well-funded, autistic, and brilliant man in charge of developing the tech, and the tech comes here quicker, and then someone else is just going to replicate it and use it for nefarious ends. This is the hackable humans idea that you will know Harari keeps talking about. Yeah, Neuralink might be great for disabled people. When it becomes mandatory just to have your calls in the metaverse, you can get a job, and then it goes offline. Bad news. The French Whiskey says, something that you guys do not grasp about the current state of AI technology is that these AIs do not think, feel, act, or, or decide or act. They're an algorithm that gets fed data, and when you feed it input, the algorithm guesses what you expect as output. Um, yes, but it's also going to be given decision-making powers yes. at some point, which is the problem. Yes. They're literally saying we want AI-driven algorithmic governance. But they're integrating it with the government website now. So, yeah, even if it doesn't function that way yet, it's still going to have an outsized influence over our lives. Yeah. Uh, North FC Zuma says 37% of the internet is porn. I doubt any general access AI will be anything other than some weird, demented porn meme bot. Yeah, I mean, it's weird sex pest. Um, <laughs> Russian garbage human says, Vox Pops, hell yeah. I'm sure I wrote in that survey that you guys did. You should do them. Love to see it. Uh, please do more Vox Pops. Oh my God, this was insane, the eye opening. I knew it was bad, but goddamn, see it on the podcast like this is. Thanks, Russian. <laughs> yeah, Jess, Jess is kind of a master at this stuff. She's been doing it for a while. She is good. Matt says, I like to call these people blue shifted. Basically, they're so left wing. I mean, that was another thing as well. Like the, the woman who was like, well, you know, everything's so central. There's no left options. Like, as if that's just politics. Just get as far to the left as you can get. And anything left is good. Anything non-left is just... Uh, yeah. Your brain on birth control. Yeah, li I'm living under a dystopia. But anyway, so left wing, the nuances and distinctions of right wing thought essentially collapsed into a single point. Yeah, they're fascists. 
they can't tell the difference between national conservatism, traditionalism, idealism, perennialism, theocracy, monarchy, etc. So they just call it fascism, exactly, because as far as they're concerned, it all is. In the same way that I don't care to distinguish Stalinism, Trotskyism, Leninism, blah, blah, blah. Um, yeah, that's totally true. You fundamentally reject the principles underpinning them all. Uh, Tech Heresy says, the on-the-street segment was great. Love seeing the podcast spread its wings and get out there. The people interviewed were insane, but nice to see the brainwashing exposed. Uh, Jimbo says, I like how many champagne socialists think that everything comes down to education. And what they mean is indoctrination. They mean brainwashing. They mean we have formatted your mind so you think about these abstract current things that get put in front of your face. And you go, yes, I care about Israel-Palestine. I care about the NHS. I care about all of these things that I don't personally use. And then they can manufacture consent for elite concerns. Yes, completely. Um, but uh, <clears throat> what they mean is people will be sufficiently educated out of reality to accept complete nonsense in the name of progressivism. Any material truth is an oppressive patriarchal structure. It's a to toxic relationship on that. Jess doing a great job. Uh, Crumpet says, it's very good to see Lotus Eaters finally getting some boots on the ground. Thank you, Jess. It's far too easy for us to sit in our offices and feel the temperature of politics from Twitter, even if people found you, in, you were, even if the people you found were Plato's form of the midwit. Um, but I mean, that's kind of what you expect from just random people on the ground, right? You don't expect them to be expert political analysts. Um, North FC Zuma says, sorry, Connor, London is lost. Must be sacrificed to the greater good. Depends where. The greater good. Yeah. At minimum, we need to wall it off and move all foreign nationals there so they can hunger game style for a single passport. I would put my area of London up against Swindon any day. <laughs> Ramshack Lotta says, uh, why are all the middle-class hipster types so sweary? Yeah, now that's something I noticed as well. They're all constantly swearing. I I think this is a, a feature of like the sort of Blair 2000s, yeah. where it was like suddenly propriety was kind of off the table as a way of enforcing social conformity. And so they all just started swearing for the sake of swearing. In the end of history, you don't need standards. Also, you see this recycled Facebook and Twitter screenshot all the time yeah. of there's an article that said actually people that are more intelligent swear more often so it's this justification yeah. for midwits to feel more superior yeah. just because they're verbally inarticulate yeah and you're like Jonathan Pike the other day tweeting out about Nigel Farage and yes. oh it's just a C word and it's like oh bravo amazing satirist of our time yeah exactly just incredible Jonathan <laughs> I hate this debate so much I'm not going to get into it go on no I'm not going to because I'll be here forever just angry well I don't think we should just be wantonly swearing no I just it's doubly funny coming from you I know literally sweary shouty man is how you started your career yeah. and what I loved because I so. I was uncritical of the paradigm that I was in okay. and so we start the podcast no swearing there's a couple of criticisms of me which I'd like to address if I if I can should be very quick on, then. so um, one of them is a correct criticism which is um, I was inaccurate with my words when it came to the Maidan protest yes people were shot of the security services and the police it did happen and they died um, my point for bringing that up and saying you minimize or try not to uh, kill anyone is because this was this guy laying out a playbook of if you wanted to have a revolution, the reason you have a popular demonstration that's violent is not because popular revolutions actually exist. They never do. It's one elite are changing for another. Sure. It's because that violent popular scene delegitimizes the current elite. And yeah. so that's why you minimize killing security services because you legitimize them by making them martyrs. Uh, the other criticism is, is the idea that because we have an Indian prime minister, and the Irish do. I'm saying it's okay for us to have one, but the Irish, it's a different circumstance. It's more a weirdness of view. Like we've spoken about this. Yeah. This Eng your concept you have said publicly before that England's the last country occupied by the British Empire. Yes. Because the United Kingdom is a weird kind of Yugoslav state. Yeah. Looking on the outside for a minute. Well, it's a failed empire. 
Yeah, <clears throat> it's this last remnants, and in which case, that's why you end up with this, oh, but we should allow mass Indians to move here. It's like, why? Indians should be in charge of the United Kingdom. Why? Because they were a part of the empire. Yeah, but they're no longer a part of the empire. But because with the United Kingdom, we a lot of the country still has that mindset. And yeah. It's, it's one we should... All of the elite have that mindset. They all ha still have the imperial mindset. I, we, we gave a talk yesterday. I just read out a bunch of quotes from prime ministers. Like, literally, Tony Blair, David Cameron. I couldn't find one from Gordon Brown, incidentally. Gordon Brown was a bit of a pessimist, I guess. Uh, Boris Johnson, Liz Truss... Rishi Sunak and Keir Starmer have all said something along the lines of, I believe Britain's best days are ahead of it. It's like we used to control a quarter of the globe. We used to literally own almost everything. But that comes into like the wind rush theory, which is the new founding of Britain is the yes. wind rush, and therefore the entire empire should coalesce in this island. Yes. And that's the United Kingdom of Great Britain, Northern Ireland's output and a worldview. And I just find that that's how you end up with it's okay to have an Indian prime minister here because that's your founding, not an ethno state like Ireland is, and of course I don't support what we've currently got. Um, so, just to address that, which I think are fair criticisms as well. So thanks. Yeah, I agree. I, I think we should try, I don't know if um, a Pete can, but if you could get criticisms and put those as the first comments in the doc, I think it would be an improvement to the podcast in general if we face more criticisms. And sure, make them first. happy to take criticisms. Uh, ben Shapiro's got a rule about that for questions. I think it's a good one, that's all. Okay, um, I'm just going through the comments as we have them. Uh, sure, fair guess, enough. Uh, the last one, Wigan Survivalist. How do lads? It's been a while. Just want to drop a light white pill. I got married to my feminist-hating Filipina fiancé today. Congratulations. So I'm trying to do my part to preserve the nuclear family and raise some Christian-centric children. Keep up the good fight, gents, all the way from the Philippines. Well, it sounds like someone's winning. Yeah, good on you, mate. That's great. Well, on that note, it's time to end the show. If you would like more, we have, of course, the Gold Tier Zoom call coming up. So if you're a Gold Tier member, do come and join us in 28 minutes. And uh, if you're not one, why aren't you? Come and join in 28 minutes by signing up as a gold tier, um, if you can. Otherwise, thank you and goodbye.